Let's work. Turn it down and listen to the experts. Gotta give a shout to the Talking Junk Network. Showing love, hosting battles, playing dope joints. The break room topics always staying on point. Never disappoint. We'll never need a makeover. We're here for the takeover like Jay Hover. Talking Junk, break room takeover. Out the podcast, dropping bomb facts on demand like Comcast. Now drop a comment whenever they're going live. Hit the YouTube channel right now and go subscribe. Peace. Talking Junk Network. Where entertainment lives. Welcome to Talking Junk. I'm your host, Jason Melendez. Live now every week. Talking Junk. A multitude of professionals in different aspects, different walks of life. You have to come on and talk junk like a normal person. Welcome to Talking Junk, the podcast that comes to you live every Tuesday night. Another great night, another great guest. Uh, My guest tonight is a vintage professional. He goes to, well, let me not even uh, tell you what he does. I'm going to let him tell you exactly what he does. But before I do, here is a quote from a 2023 review from the North Texas chapter of the International Society of Appraisers. It reads, last month, Dwayne Kearney spoke at our monthly meeting of the North Texas of ISA. As appraisers, we're always looking for more accurate methods of identifying the right markets for items we are valuing. Dwayne's years of experience in the vintage slash antique world make him an incredible resource. I have read Dwayne's books and follow him on social media, so I knew we were in for an enlightening uh, presentation. What was a surprise was his ability to tailor his message so well to our specific field. He motivated us to get out from behind our computers and meet our local vintage dealers and become partners in this eccentric, artistic business. Mary Ross. So, without further ado, the man himself, Mr. Vintage Confidential, Dwayne Scott Kearney. Welcome, I'm, Dwayne. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I feel like I should, I should just leave now. I was, what, what more is there to say? <laughs> I mean, I didn't say much. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for that's a fairly recent uh, quote. Those, uh, they were. Uh, they were lovely. I, 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 I really enjoy when someone uh, challenges me and there being a group of appraisers and I'm familiar with appraisers and it's a very, uh, let's just say, uh, you know, in the hierarchy of the antique business, they're like right up there. <laughs> so to make them happy was a real, you know, feather in my cap and I to be invited and to, uh, you know, I, 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 I swung and I guess I hit it out of the park. So that was that was my goal with that uh, particular talk. Well, you must have. And you, you seem like they were very prestigious and you were surprised on how um, how they took in how they took in all your information. Were they kind of like uh, antique roadshow appraisers, something like uh, that? Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, these are 
super professional people. And I, you know, and I, I prefaced it with that, you know, I was going to tell them some things that they weren't going to appreciate immediately, <laughs> initially. <laughs> um, but I would have a, a, a there was, there'd be a method to my madness and why I was uh, telling them whatever story or hint. Uh, I'm very, um, I love the introduction too. That the, I love the little, uh, the, the, uh, the, rap, the rap tunes to this. I went to, I went to, I went to college on a poetry scholarship. So I, I really appreciate uh, 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 the music. Um, Thank you. The guy in the, in the beginning, he was, well, he is a famous uh, battle rap MC. He goes by the name of Sam. I am the MC. Uh, he was on a show called uh, 106 in park uh, back in the day. And he's been one of the champs ever since. Uh, well, and it works when it works. It, I, I go back to it. It's good poetry. It's good poetry. Um, and when I say street, I also mean uh, I like to refer to, and since we're going to be like talking, talking literal junk tonight, right. <laughs> um, that I really kind of address things in a very kind of guerrilla marketing way, um, which is um, not used or even talked about you know you were, we're in this wonderful internet world and, and it's great <laughs> but yeah, everything's cushy on the internet yeah yeah you know i where you know the street is has nothing to you don't get a wi-fi connection on the street if you're looking at your phone somebody's gonna hit you in the head you know what i mean so very much so you're talking you know, talk to a guy in chicago so it's just how it is um so but when i when i when i say street though it's also that that guerrilla marketing of you know, how do you get people to um, support you? Whether it's music. And uh, years ago, I had a house music label here in town, and we produced uh, Frankie Knuckles, if you're familiar with him. Uh, one of the big house DJs of like all, all time. Uh, but again, it goes back to the word. It goes back to language. Um, and then again, <laughs> getting people to buy those records. Uh, and my whole life has just been, I've been self-employed since I was 23 and I'm 60 right now. Um, <laughs> and because everybody I worked for after college, uh, they went out of business within like six or six months a year that they go out of business. And it was being like, now, were they small businesses? Uh, these were, uh, yeah, they were small businesses. One was a little independent, uh, rate and data publishing house. They got bought out and then they didn't need me. And then another one was uh, uh, a guy who was doing a shared office space, which in its time was really a kind of an advanced idea because that would that would come back here in the what twenty twenties shared office. Um, and uh, uh, well, he kind of sniffed it up his nose. I'm just going to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was a great idea, and uh, I was like the last one hired, so I was going to be the first one fired. And then they went out of business and I was like, is it me? You know, there was one in between. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was a bank. It was a bank that was going under. That's, that sounds familiar, right? Oh, like, yeah. It's going under. Oh, yeah. All these yeah. banks are about to go under soon. And it gave me really good money, but but it would be like 20 hours. I'm not exaggerating. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to talking about antiques and, and collectibles and junk, but, but for one's background and uh, uh, put, putting in your time. I would do 20-hour days. They really didn't want me to go to the bathroom. I'm not kidding. And it would be, we'll bring you food. What do you want? What do you want? We'll bring you anything you want. 
Move one. And what I want is get away from these effing computers for like 10 minutes so I can take a leak. You know, that's what I want to do. Right. No, no. Uh, you see, we're, running, we're selling off mortgages and trying to keep the bank afloat. And they bombed, you know, they went out of business. Um, but after the third one, it was like, you know, I could go out of business myself. <laughs> and I think people should, anybody who has that entrepreneurial spirit, you know, put that in your head and say, what's the worst thing that you can do? It didn't work out. You know, so so what? But in fact, everything I've done has been successful to one degree or another. Maybe I didn't really make much money. Maybe I broke even, but I didn't go out of business. And uh, and this last business that I'm in now with, uh, with my partner, I own, we, we own the Broadway Antique Market in Chicago, which is the now the oldest and largest multi-dealer uh, antique store in town. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, and that's so... Thirty, thirty-four years, right? <laughs> so it took a while. It took a while, but it was always very street. It was always I'd hire high school kids to pass out, you know, really quirky little uh, postcards uh, when people got off the the subway or at a bus stop. I mean, just just pamphleteering, you know. Again, before the internet, before the internet. Um, so I've got a lot of suggestions for people who are starting out really in almost any kind of business to market. But a lot of it is just getting really basic just because the Internet can just be all, you know, I've got to have a TikTok account and I'm dancing and I need to learn the steps. And no, <laughs> you really don't. that's really not how you start. <laughs> uh, so what's 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 your questions? <laughs> Oh, wow, I, I have I have uh, a, a few of them, a few of them lined up, but I, I got to ask first and foremost, uh, you said you've been doing it for 34 years or it took you 34 years to get your business afloat. Yeah. Um, when did you start? Uh, well, I'm not I'm not even sure what to call it right now because there's many names for it. Um, like vintage. Yeah. Yeah. When, when did you start uh, vintaging? Yeah, uh, I started in 1988, and it was, uh, and I'm telling you, guys, <laughs> I didn't know anything. I really, I didn't know anything. My apartment was all, was just the secondhand stuff from my mom's basement because I didn't have any money. Now, back then, vintage was really vintage. Vintage was really vintage, but I was already going. I really like this 50s and 60s stuff. And and the dealers, the real you know, antique dealers, would be that fifties shit, that sixties garbage. I mean, very, very to go see on Roadshow now when they're featuring, you know, some some uh, rare uh, Eames chair or something. I'm like, yay! You know, it finally arrived. But but back in back in '88, no, that was not what was going on you know, at all. Anyway, I would I basically stalked a store. In that, I would go to this. There was this one. A big antique store, and it was the first antique mall. I'm sure, they have antique malls all over all over the country now. Um, and uh, but I would go in there every Saturday, and I would just I really I stalked a store like you'd stalk a person. And because it changed, it changed all the time, and I could see these people were making a lot of money. And um, I'm, a, I'm a paper person, like ephemera. And the guy who owned it was a book dealer, a little out there. But he was a book dealer and his wife ran the store and she was a bit of a chatterbox and, and we just totally clicked. And uh, 
after many, many months of going in there, and occasionally I'd buy, I don't know, a piece of pottery or something, because I didn't know what I was doing. I just bought what I liked for my apartment, for my little studio. Right. Usually that's how anybody starts. You, buy anybody you, you just buy what you like, you know. And so uh, I think it was an Abingdon vase. Um, and uh, she says, you know, um, we're like four blocks from Wrigley Field, and like thousands of people walk by this place. And it was big, three stories. It was huge. Uh, and she goes, and they don't come in here. And she goes, everybody thinks we're too expensive, but we're not. We have things from a dollar. And they did. They, they did at every price point. And uh, she said, so would you do, would you consider doing our marketing for us? And I was all into that because I had helped other people uh, write um, uh, uh, business plans. Um, I, I'd written a business plan for a true story for a Rambo boys clothing. Oh, that sells itself. Yeah, right, right. Except it didn't. Uh, and uh, we did, I did a thing for uh, Navy Pier, all kinds of things for Navy Pier in Chicago. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, so I would do these business plans. So this is this little, well, a big antique store, and they want a, they want a kind of a business plan. I go, I'll do this. And she goes, that's great. We have no money. <laughs> oh, uh, wonderful. And she said, but you know what? We'll give you a booth in the basement, and you can sell stuff. And I thought, well, she's offering me something, right? Right. I mean, I, uh, uh, that's today that amounts to a whole different. It's a whole different gift given to you nowadays to get a piece of retail where you can just make your own business is almost unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. To give you space. Right. A little space. You know, they're open seven days a week. And uh, so pretty much I started just like shopping my own uh, apartment and my, and again, my mother's basement and running around to thrift stores because I did not know anything. And, uh, and stuff would sell really fast, mostly to the other dealers because I didn't know what I was doing and I was just pricing everything like way too cheap. Um, but I also, I didn't get bummed out about it. It was more like I realized that's how you get in the food chain. So first step is just get in the food chain. Don't worry. Oh my gosh, somebody made ten dollars on me or a hundred dollars on me or you know everybody goes like, oh, like you made a mistake. You didn't make a mistake. You're in the business. You're in the food chain. Right. You're learning. So you're learning. You're learning. So you know, don't everybody beats up on themselves. Like you know, like so if you can let that go, you can grow. Um, and that uh, <laughs> I ended up bringing in. Um, uh, a partner, which was um, my, my partner, Jeff Nelson, who's still my partner, um, from Madison, Wisconsin. And I had heard that uh, he would wanted to, he was managing a store in Madison and um, wanted to get into this mall, but they had no space. And so when it was mentioned to me, I says, well, just give them my booth because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And they said, no, no, no. Why don't you split it with them? Why don't you share it with them? And, and he can tell you what he knows and maybe, you know, he'll learn something from you. I don't know. And uh, so I started making uh, uh, bus trips up to Madison, Wisconsin, which takes forever. It's not that far, but it'd be like six hours to get up to because they stop in every podunk, you know, little town on the way to Madison, Wisconsin. But he was working for a really smart guy who was dealing in modern. So, again, a guy who's dealing in 50s and 60s, again, in 1988. And he was selling to all these dealers in New York and L.A. because they got it. So, so let me get this straight. In the 80s, the 50s and 60s stuff were considered modern art. 
was considered was considered modern. They, the people on the coast got it. We put it that way. They they got it. The Midwest was just it's that's always been the case. It's always it's always like now I'd say it's like you know the internet's changed a lot of things, but but it's I used to say it was like about eighteen months behind, but you know. Um, uh, the internet's kind of leveled that. But at the time, it was like, wait a minute, what this guy is doing, this guy that my, my future partner was working for, that's what we want to do. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to buy stuff and sell it to these dealers in New York and L.A. And then they're reselling it. And a lot of times they're selling it to like, very famous people, too. Um, because you know it's the it's the and people tripling their profit. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I I remember a dealer one time told me that uh, he says I can't buy from you unless I can take make six times my money. <laughs> and I was like, could you imagine that? What business can you do six times your money, right? But that that was his business plan, and that you know clearly worked for him. He was very successful. So you know. So a hundred dollar piece for me was six hundred bucks. <laughs> That's what he was going to be selling for. Um, well, you, know, you know what I'm hoping makes six times what I'm making now for me. Mm -hmm. A word from our sponsors. Oh, excellent. Up, they're gonna be drink up. We sit down and relax and have few glasses when there's things to think about. Like I'm nice with the boss when I tend to the boss when I'm not talking drink pops. So tell the bartender that tend to the bar please pass me a big cup of. And tell the waitress that's waiting on us to put a little ice in it. Now watch the ice become weightless like the spaceships that I be sitting in. No waiting list, another waiting for that tropical twist that'll take your taste buds. Now taste up. Now I insist it's the Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we are here with Vintage Confidential, talking nothing but vintage stuff. Uh, before we get into that vintage stuff, we got one more sponsor that we haven't worked into the computer, uh, computer, excuse me, into the commercials yet, and their name is Syrup. It is Syrup for Cereal. It is amazing. It comes in a couple different, a uh, ton of different flavors. We got the cinnamon toast. We got the banana cream, which I love, and we got the strawberry. And the best thing about it is it's edible, so you can put it on whatever your mind can think of. The kids use it for pancakes. I use it for my drinks. So go ahead and go to syrup dot uh, and get you uh, a bottle right now. Now, doing we were just talking about uh, reselling to those uh, 
fascist dealers in New York and uh, them tripling their profits. Um, I would assume after 34 years in the business that, my friend, is where you're at right now. Yeah, um, to some extent. Um, uh, we still sell to a lot of dealers. We um, uh, Again, the Internet's kind of leveled it. So if you're selling on the same site, um, uh, I always, I always, you know, I always say, you know, it's like, it's not a museum. What I, you know, I'm not running a museum. Uh, it's, it's all got to go uh, because there's new, there's new things coming in. So, you know, and even years ago, I used to think, you know, I'd rather, I'd actually rather be like, like, you know, Walmart where it's just, or Costco, where it's just coming in, coming in and coming in and out, you know, then then I, I don't even know what a comparison would be. There's some probably some pretty lumpy stores that aren't that aren't in business anymore, right? Now, are you a collector yourself? Um, you know, not as much as I used to be. It gets which I didn't think would happen uh, because initially it was like you just want to keep everything and. Uh, I, I, you know, that was going to be my next question. Like, it, yeah. uh, you being uh, a collector at one point, it would have been hard to actually uh, sell the good stuff, yeah. especially the stuff that you'd want to keep for your collection. Yeah. And then, you know, but then uh, uh, the landlord comes around and wants his, his his rent, you know, on the on your store or apartment or whatever you get you got bills to pay. So it's like, well, you know. Look, so I just picked up this samurai sword here. It's about the same as uh, two months' rent. How about uh, you trade me? Yeah, that's uh, listen. I once had a, a landlord that uh, would come in and um, uh, like try to hustle me out of stuff. Uh, uh, in addition to the rent, in addition, in addition to the rent, doing me a favor. We we won't speak too ill of him. He 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 knows where he is, and. Uh, uh, my favorite one, though, sure, I would I would guess. My favorite one was I once had a uh, uh, a fireman uh, came through and like in the middle of the week and he did his inspection and blah 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 and it's giving me all this hassle and I'm running a store and then he's pointing out all the infractions and I keep saying I don't own this this is my store but I rent this space and these physical things that need to be fixed and right. oh, there's going to be a fine you know and he's, I was like well you know you're the one who's going to get the ticket. And then, and then he says, you know, but you know, maybe we can, we can work something out. He goes, I'm going to come in, I'm going to come in this weekend with my family. And he did. And he showed up that weekend with the family and he went right to the item he looked at before, which was a toaster, <laughs> a Chrome fifties toaster, a cool Chrome fifties toaster. And he brought up the counter and he goes, remember me? And I said, I certainly do. And I wrapped it up and I put it in a bag and gave it to him. <laughs> You know, and hey, that, you, you, oh, you get off as a fat cat right there. Right there. Hey, I didn't have any more problems with him. I didn't get a ticket. And, you know, it was for the for the price of a te toaster that cost me 10 bucks. You know, so right. big secret in life is also find out what people collect. If you can, you know somebody and you know what they collect and you can find something that they don't have, they will do anything for you. They will be your. Did he collect toasters for life? Yeah, he was into. Yeah, he was like into industrial design. Well, who knew? You know, he's a fireman. Who knew he could be? Any? So, uh, and then the yeah, wife. You, you would think a fireman would be uh, kind of scared of an old faulty toaster. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. But you know what? Those old toasters work a hell of a lot better than the new ones. 
Oh, everything does. Yeah, everything yeah. does. That's why cars nowadays crumble in an accident. Oh, I bet cars thirty years yep. ago stand the test of time. Oh, ba- back in the day, I had a, uh, I had a, when, when people had phone machines, and I had a phone machine. This is when I was working for somebody else, and I had a boss who would leave messages that would be so long she would burn out, she'd burn out my phone. <laughs> and I went through all these phone machines. Talk about dead technology. Nobody wants a phone machine now. Um, but yeah, the the old stuff is that, and and young people get it. Young people totally get it now. And I'd say five, ten years ago, they didn't. They didn't. So things things have changed, you know. And so they're all about you know their carbon footprint and being green. And there's nothing greener than uh, uh, really resale. You know, whether it's from a thrift store or a vintage store or an antique store, you know, you're not, this isn't furniture that's ending up in a landfill or clothes or you could just go on and on. So um, it's it's a good thing (laughs) beyond Martha Stewart. You know, it's a good thing for like a lot of reasons and they get it. So you don't have to, there's no, I always say I don't talk anybody into buying anything. They just, they know what they want. I just try to make sure that I have it for them. Now, has the times made it considerably easier to get to that point where people just know what they want instead of uh, you having to kind of show them what they came for? Yeah, I'd say yes and no, because there's uh, um, young people like like thing. Well, they like things that they don't know what they are, of course. And we all we're all like that. But you curiosity can, killed a cat. You can show them a, a rotary phone and they, they just stare at it. You know, you just stare at it. And then you say, well, you know, you stick your finger in the hole and then you turn it around and then you let it go. <laughs> that is so funny because right. uh, we have a toy rotary phone here. And my 13-year-old was playing with it. And she's like, I'm just here going through the time machine, going back to when you had a phone like this. I said, oh, I, I didn't have a phone like that. That's way before my time. But this <laughs> is how you use it. This is how you're supposed to dial. Yeah. How, how did you know how to use it then? People uh, that grew up in the 1900s. Yeah, suddenly. Yeah, see, so, I mean, in her mind, you're still old. You, you didn't yeah. even have that, and you're still old. Um, but so there's that demonstration of it. Uh, typewriters, to some extent, and, now, and, and they buy these things, but they're really like shelf sitters. So that's what we call them, because it's just like, it's art. It really is. It's yeah, it's it's it has this aesthetic quality to it, you know. Now, when you, you know, myself, you grow up with it, you go, "What's that about?" But but now your uh, flip phones are really collectible. So and uh, like I wouldn't think that would have happened. And vinyl, holy crap, you know, vinyl's come back with a vengeance. Uh, I yeah. just seen your uh, your Instagram video about vinyl. <laughs> Yeah, I think we did have something on that one, like Valiola Dolls or something, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yes, it was. Oh my God, we sold we sold a tremendous amount of, of vinyl and vintage clothing. We're we're buying university, um, and so the, the I don't want to you know, say the kids, you know, they 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 totally get it. Um, it's it's more it's interesting when uh, like you, you asked me what I collect and I for. Uh, a number of years I collected vintage photography, but if <laughs> but when it gets to the point of like, okay, they know what a snapshot is, okay, um, and but photography is you know just uh, oh here, thank you, 
photography is what uh, you know you're just taking pictures on uh, on your phone but how many of those pictures do you print right 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 that's a good point okay and here's my here's it's not a theory it's a fact <laughs> when when you have an actual snapshot of something oh my god you'd think i'd have like i probably have thousands of them here if i could just pull up something uh i'm just gonna grab a grab a bag of snapshots uh and you know back in the day people would take just goofy things just goofy see if we can hold that up people just doing right just see, somebody's throwing somebody over their shoulder right uh you know there's right. a, you know there, there's a there's another one big people would go in these like formations right there we go Ta-da. people goofing off at the beach that's you know that's that uh, or you just feel good pictures. This pardon. Yeah, I mean, look. I mean, look at these cars. You're going, holy crap! This, but this is probably someplace they stopped for gas. Look at those gas pumps. Look at the size of those Amazing. pumps at a standard station, right? But here, I mean, this is a this is a dollar, you know, photograph. Um, but my point is, is when they've printed those things, it becomes an object. It becomes an object. It's here. This is 50, 60 some years old. And it's it exists. <laughs> it exists, right? And I'll sell this and somebody might, I don't know, put it on their website or run it through some software and turn it into something else. And then it's in a music video. These things have a life of their own. And yet, when we have all these pictures on our phone and we don't print them, and I don't print up my, my pictures either, they kind of don't exist. They, 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 right. they, they exist in a very, in a very um, almost a subconscious way because they don't become an object. And I'm always fascinated with things like that. And that's one way that the past was more important than today. I mean, we're all so full of ourselves. But, but we don't, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not saving those moments and then creating an object out of that moment. Um, right, we find safety for some reason. You can, pardon we find safety in the cloud for some reason. Yes, right, right. You know, wherever the hell that is. <laughs> right. 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 Like we just bought into that one. You know, there's a guy coming along, hey, I got a cloud to sell you. Sure. <laughs> uh, so when, when it comes to, like, again, the kids, snapshots they get. But if I start showing them a cabinet card, and I'm sure I've got a cabinet card I can grab out here somewhere. Oh, that's a good one. So this is get out of the sleeve. So cabinet card, which is a different format. So this is Lalu. See it's Lalu. Well Lalu has a parasitic twin coming out of his uh side. You see oh, that? like yeah. freak show stock cards. It's a yeah yeah so he was and this was a very highly uh paid this was done in New York. Um but a well-paid. Uh, you got the first garbage pail, kids. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. And that would see that would be how people would then connect to it. That's how you would connect to it. But uh, and it's actually you can't see in the back, but somebody he signed it, Lalu, la la. Uh, um, uh, now, for Lalu <laughs> to have his photograph taken by better and better uh, photographers. That moved him up in the in kind of in the uh, I would say uh, 
we, we use the expression show business. Well, it's really right. the business of showing, meaning exhibiting. And that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of, of show business is, is Barnum exhibiting people in these dime museums in 1860s, 1870s. So again, before TV, before radio, that was the medium, right? But that's a cabinet. I see the greatest showman. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That was really well done. Amazing uh, movie. Yeah, yeah. Any of the soundtrack. Wasn't sure at first, but, you know, I, I dig the soundtrack. Oh, loved uh, it. If me and my uh, oldest are taking a road trip, we'll listen to yeah, some of those. We should, you know what? You should do a show just on that. You and I could just sit there and just <laughs> yes, comment on all the good, the good things. They got a lot of stuff right there. So, But, again, before this, there were CDVs, which is uh, Carte of Visites. So, like, a calling card. Uh, I don't know if I have one here. They're fairly... I'm um, just digging around. Um, I don't know we're going to be talking about this today, but. Uh, and that's the nature of this this show. It, it, this it, conversation takes you anywhere. It could be any, yeah, anything can happen. Anyway, it's like a business card size, but it's a CDV and it's called a card of a Z. Before that were tintypes. And I know you know what tintypes are, but again, explaining it to someone younger saying, okay, they printed a photo on metal. And those were the best things in the world. <laughs> Why is that? Because they lasted forever. Yeah. Until you got them wet or left them in uh, unmoisture controlled house. Very good. Very, very good. Okay. Then we go a little further back. You've got uh, embryotypes, um, uh, daguerreotypes. Um, and then those were often in these, these, uh, People look at them as like they're plastic cases, and then they're actually made of gouda percha. Um, so that's I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure you just said it was covered in cheese. <laughs> and those are the best ones, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, you could put any any of your those toppings you were just talking about, and that would be really good. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Now before we go any further, right? Uh, usually the the site i i meet some of you guys on uh it, it asks you guys for uh pre-typed out questions for uh people like me who lose their train of thought and want to go back to some material now i have to ask is junk in your veins or just in your trunk <laughs> oh that's a good one uh, no, it's in, it's in, it's in my, it's in my veins. It's in mine too. My first, uh, job was at a thrift store and it was because of mainly I loved the, the vintage toys, the vintage, uh, stuffed animals, of course, the vintage comic books, uh, the clothes, but just the feel of the place to be surrounded by, by all those old things and have them just linger in my mind to to think of the journey they took to get to the point where they were. Right. Right. Um, you know, I always think about, I really try to listen to what people say when they're buying things. And we've all heard the expression, um, somebody's buying something and uh, they'll say, I, I don't know why I bought it. It just spoke to me. Right. And we just use these, we just throw out these words like they don't mean anything. But you start, you just like think about it. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> it spoke to you. This inanimate object spoke to you. You know, no, but in its own way, 
and I can't really tell you what that way is. It, it exuded some type of energy that you picked up and you were and then and some people are just more attuned to that and open to it. And I also think the objects could be like, I'm not going home with this one. <laughs> I'll end up, you know, the husband won't like it. I'll end up in the garbage. The dog will chew on me. You know, who the knows? kids are gonna break me. Save me from this place. You know, I need I need a single girl who wants to plant something in me. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So. Uh, you, well, you you get it. So if you started out that, that early, and then it's like, okay, in a thrift store, uh, this the, the the mustiness of the place, right? Right. It has a distinct smell. Has, yeah. And we're not going to be like, oh, there's bo where it smells. Like, no, exactly. I'm just saying that. You know, it just right. It, it's not bo because there's a there's a reason why you can go to a uh, off brand thrift store, mom and pop shop. And have it smell the same as these big chain ones, Goodwill, uh, what is it, uh, Salvation Army. They all smell the same. They do. They do. Yeah. That would be a, that would be a, like a product we should be selling or a candle. That's it should be a candle at Walmart. You're very right. We're here, here really, we're talking right, and we're losing money while we're having this conversation that we don't have that candle. Yeah, we throw it in the ether, and somebody's going to steal it. and I go, well, see, I do this all the time. You know, I see you do it too. Um, But yeah, so when it's when it's in your veins, it's in your nose, it's in your brain. You know, you you got you got it bad. And it's funny, I don't really know how it happened with with myself because my 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 mother always wanted everything new. Everything had to be new, but but then again, I grew up with you know the I was born in fifty nine, so I grew up with furniture from the sixties or from their first apartment, which was from the fifties, and that stuff would all end up in the basement, and then I would play with it, and later on, it ended up in my apartment. So I always like always lived with this old stuff, and you know I, I said to people, if I could eat old food, I would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just not about uh, there's and there's some new things that are very cool. I'm pretty sure you found a uh, fruitcake or two left in somebody's uh, wardrobe or something. I probably uh, emptied a bottle of, uh, of strawberry cereal or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be the guy to do that, yeah. right? Syrup, yeah, yeah. I'd be the guy to be like, oh, well, um, yeah, ne- never, never say never. I don't know. I see those videos on TikTok of these people eating the uh, the old '80s and '90s cereals. Oh, yeah. the worst! Yeah. yeah, just chew on the cardboard at that point. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it, again, at uh, at house sales, the first things to go are are especially all the old products. You know, and the food could be rotten, and they don't care uh, because the packaging, because of the packaging. And right. um, and we we've been propping movies since 1990. Actually, once we got on our feet, we were propping movies, and we propped hundreds of movies and TV shows. And they'll yeah. want a certain thing. They'll want a borax box, you know. They'll want <laughs> they'll want uh, you know uh, just very specific you know, advertising. So you know, I remember the one time we were, we were doing prison, uh, prison Break that that show Prison Break. And they were always coming in and buying all this like little old lady stuff, you know, like the doilies. And we don't have a lot of that because we're more mid-century and modern, you know. But we have a little of it here and there, and and some like you know true antique smalls and all that. And I said, wait, what is going on? I couldn't imagine somebody in their prison cell is, is doing this whole grandma look, you know. Uh, and they said, no, I no, mean, you got to get out somehow. <laughs> 
you're going, there's something wrong with him. He's got to go. You know, the guy next to him collected birds and we let him go, right? So I mean, it, uh, it, they thought it was going to work in MASH, too, and look at that. Yeah, right, right. All, all that vintage clothes, it didn't get him out of it. Uh, but it turned out that one of the guys in Prison Break, that he, he, he visits his aunt. And so his aunt, and so the whole place, her whole apartment was this kind of 1940s, I would say, was, was the look. So, you know, I, I really never uh, uh, assume, because I, I don't know what the storyline is. Half the time, they don't want to even tell you what the show is um, uh, or, or film. But uh, it is I'm imagining where your stuff is going and what it's doing is, is a kick in itself. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, we did. Um, uh, what was the one? I th- it was either Chicago Fire or um, we did. Uh, uh, oh, we did a Muhammad Ali movie, that Muhammad Ali movie. And, uh, 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 and we did. Well, there's so many. Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition is a good example. Road to Perdition because they bought, they bought, they they buy the things. They didn't rent them. They bought bought them because then they would pump them full of bullets, <laughs> you know, fake bullets, but still. So to see the movie and you go, well, there goes my sofa. Uh, <laughs> well, then Wayne, we could have stood on Muhammad for a little while. Yeah. Will said we could speak about him, not his wife. Oh yeah, yeah, we could, we could, we could, we could do that. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, an underrated film, uh, but uh, uh, shot here and shot not too far from our our our, our, our story actually. But um, uh, in um, my first book, um, uh, selling dead people's things, I tell the story about how we got into propping movies, and it was um, we had a two-headed. <laughs> I say this like it happens all the time, but um, I, I bought not a, I bought a sideshow of uh, taxidermy animals. Um, and I had a small two-headed calf, and uh, uh, we had a lamb, and we put the lamb out on an Easter table, and set out all the dishes and all this <laughs> this, this this lamb with two heads and six legs, and and I had a couple people pass out on like a Sunday afternoon, and I thought, well, I probably can't do that again, so I waited till Halloween. I, there is a point to this story, so I waited till Halloween. Do you still have that? Because I'd love to see it. I do I do? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't part with that. Thank you. So that's in, that's in the that story is in the first book. So uh, and I'm not going to give too much of it away because it, it's a pretty long story. But we'll get to part of the meat of it is that we did a Halloween window with the two headed calf, and um, across the street there was a, a, a restaurant called Mia Francesca. It was expensive Italian restaurant that I could never afford to eat at, and uh, uh, so. Apparently, um, uh, <laughs> there there was a number of people who saw the um, Halloween window, and um, the next day, I get a call. The, I've been getting calls the, the whole day of crazy crazy calls. Um, uh, guys wanting to rent it for a fraternity party. You know that sounds disturbing. Um, oh and, yeah, something I, was going to happen to that calf. Not, not good. Really, just you know, yeah. Uh, no, uh, juice is everywhere. Yeah, there's just a there's a there's a there's a very sad Dairy Queen commercial coming out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in my uh, on my uh, Friday night show, we like to call that covered in Darby juice. Oh, uh, so after a long day of all these phone calls and me saying, you know, it's not 
it's not for sale. It's not for rent. It's just, I did, certainly didn't want to sell that. I just got it. And this guy says, calls up and he goes, okay, hey, I'm in the town for like a couple of days and I'm still making a movie and I want to rent your two-headed cow. And I said, it's not for rent. And he says, this is Oliver Stone. And I said, sure you are, buddy. <laughs> and I hung up on him. Wow. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Lesson learned. The following day, I get a, a phone call from a, a very aggressive young woman who wanted to know who was the person who hung up on Oliver Stone yesterday. And I got to say, well, that was me. And she goes, he's pretty pissed off that you did that. <laughs> but You he's should so be very proud of that. <laughs> but he, you know, well, people say anything. Um, when was that going to happen? Uh, right. And... I'm pretty sure it, it humbled him a little bit, even though he was pissed off. Because who oh. in their right mind hangs up on Oliver Stone? Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Well, you know, here he had three glasses of wine and <laughs> across the street, you know, and I didn't. So, um, <laughs> uh, anyways, it was like okay, da 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 da. We we so we make the deal, and I said because uh, <laughs> this had never happened. We probably little things, but never anything big. Um, so um, <laughs> uh, I said, you know what? I, I want it insured for a million dollars. What if it doesn't come back? So I thought, it's, it's, you know, this is why movies cost $100 million, right? You know, even, even back then. Um, so um, uh, sure enough, they, they did, and they provided me with their certificate. And then I was able to go to the media and say, I rented a two-headed cow to Oliver Stone for Natural Born Killers. If you're familiar with that, huge movie, huge movie, 25th anniversary of it, 26th, I think. Um, and uh, I got, I was in gossip columns about it, and because that's a pretty weird story, and I could, and I could prove it. And on the um, the uh, 25th anniversary edition of it, I am told that. Um, so there's outtakes, and what they did is they and I knew they were filming in the forest because I said, "Where's this thing going to go?" I wanted to come back in one piece, but I got to admit, for for a while there, I thought, you know, if it fell off the back of a truck and I never saw it again, that's a sweet million dollars. Oh yeah, you know things that like that started your business. Well, things like that happen in town. You know, I mean, there you are, and then suddenly you're at the airport in a trunk. So you know, um, <laughs> but. Uh, so the the it, it was filmed in the forest scene, and the um, cameras are are mounted behind the the cows' heads, so you get the cows' perspective of the forest. That's the shot. I mean, it's like, and you, and it's over. Wow. Yeah. So, but that put us on the map because after that, every production company in town knew we rented things and. We're, well, we're somewhat easy to deal with. Because that's not the guy that owns the two-headed horse. Oh, <laughs> excuse me, the two-headed cow. Um, I had the uh, there's again tell you things you go like this guy is full of shit, but it's true. Um, so I had a really good friend called High Roth, who was an illustrator, uh, a cartoonist for Playboy, in the in the very beginning when uh, when. Um, Hefner was trying to pay people with stock, and High was like, "I'm not taking that. That's not going to pay my mortgage." Um, but High, High had written a book called Little People, and it was all about little people 
not the M word. We don't want to say the M word, but all about little people. So he was very re highly regarded in that community. And one Sunday afternoon, he showed up with the coroner from the Wizard of Oz, who was like 80 something, and his wife, who was lovely. Just, just, just lovely. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> and why were they there? They wanted to see the two at a count. Oh, for a second there, I thought they were going to sell you something. They took off <laughs> the little person that hung himself in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that 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 rumor. <laughs> Maybe an extra you can see it in the movie. You know? Oh, yeah, no, it looks, certainly looks like it, right? Oh, yeah. But but the thing is, it's like one thing led to another, to another, to another, and it's still, and it you know, it's still happening. Um, so, which is cool. I mean, just. It's cool, the people that come through, and um, also with the books, I've been able to get wonderful blurbs from celebrities, um, which I had an agent for a while, and she said, she goes, you know, why don't you just make use, just ask, which is my other my other suggestion for people, is we want to do, you know, when you're thinking about doing something, or somebody asking, you, you need a, a favor, just ask. I mean, if they don't want to do it. They Very seldom do we think it's that easy. They won't do it, you know. I mean, you invited me on this show, and I went, "Yeah, that sounds like a, a fun show to do." You know, just, I mean, just ask. If I'd said no, it'd be like, "Well, you go on. You'd you'd, <laughs> you'd live to love another day, right?" <laughs> I would, but I wouldn't have an entertaining episode such as this. Well, okay, John Waters' favorite word, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. So. I know you are a very busy man, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm having fun. Oh, so am I. And we, we definitely have to do this again. But before we make plans to do it again, you got to tell the people where we can find everything Vintage Confidential. Everything Dwayne. <laughs> Every, everything Dwayne. Uh well, you can uh, each. I have two books now, and uh, the first one was a Amazon bestseller three times, uh, Antiques and Collectibles number one, which is selling dead people's things, um, and that is a kind of a, a quasi memoir, but it's also all these the story that I just told you about Oliver Stone, which is a fraction of the whole story because you want to hear about how I even bought these animals and then what they went on to do. First of all, that's a great title. Selling dead people's things, yeah, and the um, and the uh, the cover. I want to give a shout out uh, to um, that's a, an Etsy seller called Beat Up Creations, and she was lovely enough to uh, license that image. It's actually from a set of um, dinnerware. <laughs> so you can imagine getting out of the bottom of the bowl and seeing those two staring back at you. Yeah. So, but I when I saw that, I was. That's the cover. And let me tell you, I had to argue with editors and, and, and uh, graphic people going like, you cannot use that cover. And I went, no, 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 no. It's that, a killer cover. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a killer cover. <laughs> and Vintage Confidential um, just recently came out. Uh, similar but different. I really don't like repeating myself. So you still get uh, – it's a little where the first one is uh, – there are definitely a couple of paranormal stories in selling dead people's things. Vintage Confidential is kind of more of an homage to uh, those 50s magazines that are uh, a little uh, naughty, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, I used to love those magazines. Yeah, and and that, now that is, a, you, you asked about what I collect, so I collect photography, so that's uh, 
I was uh, just going to ask if that was one from your collection. That's that's one of mine. Yeah, that's one of that mine. That is a great photo. I'm not I'm not either of the cats, you know, um, <laughs> or her. Um, but uh, oh man, that was my next question. Were you were you the one in the dress? No, it's not the one in the not the one in the dress. I I it was funny, and we spent more time going like, well, let's make sure they're not looking at the radiator. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, these I love pictures like this because these are the types of pictures that it kind of gets better as you stare at it. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, uh, well, and the selling dead people's things, people mentioned to me, and I never even thought about it. It's, it's very American Gothic. It's just this couple. It is. You know, and, it's, and it's unusual to see young people who are dead. You always see old people. Um, so, right. Kind of a play, play, play on that, uh, that, that too. Uh, but um, again, uh, the first one, all true stories. Uh, second one, mostly true stories. Some are based on, on a true story and I had to kind of flesh it out. Um, and I also feature, uh, uh, well, I'm gonna say real people who are and, and antique dealers who are no longer uh, with us and tell their story okay. because it's important to me. And that they shouldn't be, and it was the people, these are people that were friends of mine and were extremely successful. Um, part of your culture. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the, it's part of the history of it. And um, nobody writes about that. And it just kind of pissed me off because these people shouldn't be uh, forgotten. The first one is um, a gentleman called Tom Meniscus, but he went by the name of uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob Marley. So the store was called Jacob, Jacob Marley. Marley. Which is brilliant if you want to think about it. So Jacob Marley and people would come in and ask him, "Is Mr. Marley here? I want to buy this." And he says, oh, "I'm sorry, Mr. Marley's not, but I can certainly help you." <laughs> and he was dealing in mid-century here in Chicago before anybody was. And he would uh, produce shows and he would bring people in who were kind of cutting edge. And I was lucky enough to do his first, his sorry, his last show that he produced. And they were. And people would fly in from all over the place uh, to to come to his shows, and he was just a mover and a shaker, and um, uh, and 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 died too young. Uh, and in the and in the Vintage Confidential, I read about uh, Raymond Hud, who was uh, he didn't like the expression, but they called him the Mad Hatter of uh, Chicago. And this is this is a guy that comes. He had like I wasn't four or five brothers and they, they worked on a farm and he wasn't any, he wasn't any good at being at a, a farmer. And his, his mother used to say, well, what do you want to do? And he's, he said, I want to make, he, when he's a kid, he said, I want to make hats. So he make, he made hats for the, their donkeys. <laughs> right. But this just goes on. He went to the school of the art Institute when he was like 23 or 24, he opened up his own store in the gold coast. Tony, 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 who does that? Who does that? And, no and in your collection of donkeys with hats? <laughs> no, but I do have a Raymond Hutt hat, and there uh, there's a couple oh, videos yes. online. Um, he did, and you go like like who cares? Okay, this is why you should care. <laughs> so do you remember the, the the Tylenol murders back in the day when somebody was? That's why we have chi uh, the tamper packaging. Yeah, right. So at the time while that was going on, Raymond Hutt made a Tylenol hat. So, I mean, you can say, well, this is really, really bad taste, or otherwise it's freaking genius. Bad it, taste, good timing. It did, well, I mean, he's just kind of the Warhol of hats. Um, he did an Iran Contra hat. Uh, he did a, uh, I can't remember, there was a somewhat famous uh, uh, airplane crash 
um, the one that I was, I think at O'Hare, and he did that. He did a, he did a no smoking hat, and he had uh, coffin nails as cigarettes coming out. Nice. And you go like, okay, the guy's just nuts. Yeah, he sold thousands of these, and it would be to like Phyllis Diller. Phyllis Diller had 500 of his hats at her estate sale. 500, right? Yeah. Uh, Joan Crawford bought from him all the old time Hollywood starlets, you know, which he just, he just, he just loved. But he's, you know, this was like before me. So he, he, uh, he would come to the store and I helped him make a, uh, an Eiffel Tower hat. Um, that is very specific about what he wanted. So he wanted old Eiffel Towers, but they couldn't be metal and they had to be small. So that means like really, really early plastics, which is almost like non-existent. But I would spend a year running all over the place. And every time I found one, I'd throw it in a box. Uh, and uh, then eventually I found them all. I was like, well, how much do you want for this? And I said, make your hat. So I helped him make a hat. And that was kind of the beginning of our friendship. He was, oh, wow, I don't know, 30 years older than I was. He's since passed. Um, but there's a chapter in there about kind of how all that came to be, especially Phyllis Diller. She, she's, she was a hoot. And, and I, I got to get my hands on these books so I can uh, read through these stories. They're, they're one in a million, and I got to be a part of them. Uh, Selling Dead People's Things is also an audiobook. So if you people don't have time to read, you can listen to it. Now, is it you reading it to us? Because if not, I don't want it. It's me. Oh, yeah, it's me. Sure. Perfect. Yeah. I have a little help, I have a little help from my friends. Uh, but, yeah, because I didn't, you know, but, oh, yeah, it's me. That was, that's what I did. <laughs> what did you do during the, uh, the plague? <laughs> that's, yeah, I was, I was uh, held up in, uh, in, a, in a sound booth <laughs> during COVID. Not a bad place to be because no. you're, you're making your stuff uh, no. legit. Yeah, I got I got stuff done. It was almost fun to do. <laughs> I couldn't have been that bad. Oh no no no! It's just 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 uh, you you know you know you want to you you want to give it your best, but you you, you right. do this so you you know you do it for like two hours and that you know, that last hour just isn't solid. You know you just know. And see, well, we got to do that again. And I, again, I had a great editor on that going, can you speak? You know, <laughs> you get tired and you mispronounce words or, you know, what day is Anybody it? ever tell you you kind of sound like Wallace Shawn? No, no. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, kind of. I, I can hear it. You make me want to say, hey there, Rex. Let me know when Andy's coming. <laughs> Well, thank you, though, Dwayne. Thank you. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, but I do want to get you back on the show. Uh, I uh, I love the dynamic we, we had on this episode, and I love the stories, and I want to get some more out there. I would yeah. I, I would, I would love that. And anybody who wants to find me, I uh, either Dwayne Scott Cerny or the names of these books, uh, I'm everywhere, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube. And yeah, yeah well, you've seen you've seen some of the stuff, and the, yeah, the craziest stuff uh, hits too. So uh, we put we put out something every day, every day, every day, every day. So, well, they are about to see something that you put out. Uh oh. Right there. Okay. 
It is on your website, so we'll put that one up. See exactly what this is. Oh, that one. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm all in love with vintage. Why is it not? Ah. We disappear and the ghost comes in. I couldn't hear it for a second. YouTube I'm not sure what I'm looking for. I'm not sure what I need. But I'm sort of feeling Charles Eames and Ray do just my style. And isn't it so wonderful when a chair can make you smile? I have dreams in vintage themes. I'm not sure what I want. But I'm sort of feeling Russell right, and how can that be wrong? And isn't it so wonderful when you find where you belong? Maybe I need Ava Zeisel, maybe I need Paul McCobb. It's this endless recycle Making my heart throb Oh, how could I even try to choose To make up my mind when I'm so confused Nothing's amusing when you've lost your muse Should I say no to Noguchi? Might I say yes to Thonet? This is yesterday's future Today! That is anything uh, like what's on your uh, YouTube. I can't wait to go over there and see <laughs> all of the stuff on there. It, it's and it's the, amazing. That was the crew from Chicago Fire that uh, filmed that. Uh, okay. And uh, I, I, I wrote the lyrics, and my friend Mark Contorno is the uh, composer, and we um, fought like cats and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> to write that, I wanted a dance song, <laughs> and he's really good at that, that that emotion, that uh, right. And so I was like, okay, it's amazing. Uh, thank, thank, thank. I need you to write, produce, and direct my commercials. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Dwayne, I, I thank you for coming on. Uh, the viewers are going to love this show. Uh, I love this show. It's, it's easily one of my favorite ones this year. So thank you for gracing us with your presence. And we cannot wait to see where you go. Because I know, forget about uh, American Pickers. For, forget about, uh, what is it? Uh, what's that pawn show? Whatever it was. Pawn Stars. Who cares? <laughs> the star is right here. We need a vintage confidential show. Any option it. Pick them up right now. Let's do it. Yeah, because we're talking junk. Yes. <laughs> but this junk always comes to fruition. So Dwayne, your show is coming. 
You need it. We need it. The people need it. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, folks, thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Until next Tuesday, be yourselves and make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Everything Talking Junk Network, everything Vintage Confidential, go and buy those books. Upcycled. Go to vintage sales, shops, and definitely frequent the YouTube so you can, Dwayne can show you how it's done. And don't forget, this is the greatest show. Peace out. <laughs>